0: I might have, I feel like I've got something on my face. I, I was told over there I've got something on my face. Can, have I got something on my face? Yeah. Oh, good. Where, where is it? Is right here? All over? Oh, great. That's, here, is that helping? Better? All gone? Oh, great, okay. Now? Oh, the, you know what I need? You know what I need? I need a mirror. It's, you need a mirror, don't you? You can't see what's going on in your face without a mirror or a camera, which is great because I can see the camera but I'm going to use a mirror because I've got one so uh, let's use a mirror Um, I brought this one from home because it's big so um, and I didn't think the wardens would be very happy if I took the one out of the bathroom so uh, I've got a wipe as well I come prepared so here we go so you get a mirror you see a mirror great because I can see what I'm doing ah wow I really did put it everywhere didn't I oh yeah there we go it's coming off though Oh, you can see me in the mirror. Hello, everybody. (laughs) There we go. That's a bit better. It's not perfect, but it's uh, better than it was. Mirrors are useful, aren't they? They're brilliant because they allow you to see what's going on on your face. But what else do they allow you to see? Can anyone think about what else can you see in a mirror? What's behind you? Who said that? Genius. Absolute genius. Brilliant. Thank you. What is behind you? It's great, isn't it? You can see yourself and you can see what's going on uh, behind you. It's why we use them in cars. You might see your parents or your uh, grandparents using a mirror, hopefully. Um, when you're reversing in a car, uh, you can then see what's behind you, you see. Well, today we're going to be thinking about uh, the Bible and how the Bible acts like a mirror to us as well. And we're going to see how that can be helpful for us in our lives. So, if you haven't been here for the past few weeks, we're in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, the first six chapters of Nehemiah were all about the people building the wall and uh, other people being uh, trying to stop the wall from being built. Well, at the end of chapter six last week, Edward helps us to see that the wall is finally finished. Woohoo! And now from chapter eight onwards, what we have is we have a focus shift not focusing on the building of the city anymore, but we're focusing on the revival of the people in the city. And that revival starts with God's word. We're going to see two ways today uh, how how God's word revives his people. Uh, Revival means, of course, uh, to bring back to life. So if if your plant at home is looking a bit dead, uh, which uh, ours are sometimes, uh, you want to water it and it will bring it back to life. It'll be big and strong, and it'll be uh, living as it should uh, do. In Nehemiah, uh, chapter 8, firstly, God's people uh, are revived, that they're seeing that they are sinful. And secondly, God's people are revived by seeing God's generosity. By seeing God's generosity. So firstly, uh, God's people are sinful. By seeing God's people are sinful. If you've got a Bible with you, uh, look down at chapter 8 with me uh, and we'll have a look at this passage together. It's harvest time. Uh, We all know about harvest. You bring in the crops. Uh, The people of Israel are gathering in the square by the water gate, which 400 years later would be uh, where the temple would be. Uh, They have finished the wall and you think, well, they've gathered the crops, they've finished the wall. You know what we're going to do? Have a party. Let's have a party. Well, of course, they didn't do that, did they? If you look in the Bible, they didn't, they didn't want to have a party and, and eat and drink. No, they wanted to hear from the law of Moses, uh, another word for the book, the first five books of the Bible. They wanted to hear from God. Ezra, in chapter 5, uh, starts reading the words of God and the people shout, Amen, which basically means we agree. And they worshipped God together. But did you notice there's a change in the people? Verse 6, the people are praising God. Three verses later, in verse 9, they're crying their eyes out. Now, what has caused the sudden change? Well, the key is in verse 8. The key is in verse 8. It says this, they read from the law of the Lord, making it clear and giving meaning so that the people could understand what was being said. You see, they didn't just read the Bible, they explained the Bible, they explained what it meant, and the meaning of the words challenged the people and the consciences of the people to their hearts. They suddenly became aware of all the ways in which they had disobeyed and ignored God. The Bible acts like a mirror. When we look in the mirror, we can see dirt on our face. When the people understood the Bible... They saw the dirt in their own lives, the ways they had made God sad. It's the same for us today. Uh, on the screen, I'm going to put some, well, I'm not going to put the, uh, hopefully the people in the back, there we go. I'm going to stand that way. Uh, they're, they're, those are the Ten Commandments, They're an abbreviated version of the Ten Commandments. Um, if you have a read through those uh, just Ten Commandments, just briefly, has anyone, can anyone think that they've maybe uh, kept all of those commandments? Anyone think they've kept all of those commandments? Oh well, sorted. Well, let's have a look through a couple of them and see. Uh, see some of the easy ones we might have kept, of course. Like, well, there's one up there that says "do not murder." So, is anyone anyone put up their hands? Anyone going to admit to murder? I'm not going to put, man. No. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, we've at least got one ticked off. That's good, isn't it? But hold on, wait a second. Wait, wait. Before we start ticking them off, we need to have a full understanding of it, of course. And I seem to remember. In Matthew, uh, Jesus talking about uh, your kind of thoughts and feelings, well, what's going on inside you counts towards keeping the commandments. So uh, if we add in our thoughts and feelings, then maybe we have committed murder. Because suddenly, surely, if I hate someone enough, oh, man, I hate that person, surely that's murder as well. So maybe if we add thoughts and feelings it's not quite so clear cut that we might have kept some of the even the easier ones of the commandments we might not have stolen anything but we might have wanted someone else someone something that someone else had i wish i had that not them the big problem is that the whole of humanity has failed to meet up even to meet even the most basic of god's commandments We are just as guilty here as the people are uh, in Nehemiah's day. We read uh, the Bible, when we read God's word, suddenly we see the dirt on our own face. We see the dirt in our own lives. We see how many times we have not lived the way that God wants us to live. And Nehemiah's people, they wept because they saw their sin. Well, you might be sitting there thinking, well, hold on a second, what does crying got to do with revival that seems to be the opposite surely well until you see the mess we're in you're not going to understand how much we need God to be part of God's people to come into that amazing relationship with God we first must see how we failed in his eyes but I wonder how that makes you feel Uh, Turn to the person next to you or in your family groups with the people that you've come with. Uh, How does knowing that the Bible says that we fail to meet God's expectations, how does that make you feel? Just uh, one minute and then we'll come back together. So hopefully those were fruitful discussions. Do continue those after the service um, if you would like to. Uh, so we've seen that, uh, like a mirror, God's word shows us what we're like, uh, what we're actually like, that we are sinful human beings. But secondly, uh, God's people are revived because they see how generous God is. Have a look down with me at verse uh, 9 of Nehemiah. You see, the, the people, Nehemiah sees the people crying, and he's, he says... Well, he says, don't mourn, don't weep, go and enjoy the best food and drink, and of course make sure you send parcels of food to those who haven't got any. But hold on a second, Let's just, that doesn't seem to make any sense. We know this is a holy day, surely it's a good thing if the people are crying, because you know, if, if none of them have met God's standards, none of them have lived the way that God wants, and, and they all come and worship God on this holy day, then surely it's a good thing that they're sad, right? Right? Wrong, says Nehemiah. Wrong. See, it's not about how bad they've been, but it's about how amazing God has been and will continue to be. Yes, they are sinners. Yes, they have failed God, and they always will, as we always will. But that's not the end of the story. What God has done for his people is not something to mourn about or cry about, but it's something to rejoice in. Uh, verse 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The people can be joyful uh, because their prayers are heard. They can be joyful because God has kept his promises about his p- bringing his people back into the land. He forgives, hello, uh, he forgives their sin and their strength to keep living for God has been revived. Not because they are good enough, but because God is generous, gracious, and loving. When people uh, looked in the mirror of the Bible, they are so focused on the dirt on their face that they forget what else the mirror shows. Yes, it shows them their sin, but it also shows them what's going on behind them. It shows them what God has been doing and continues to do. We saw that we messed up or we've not lived up to God's standards. But if we truly understand, that will lead us to say sorry. But if we stay at that point of saying sorry, we're always going to be in that state of being sorry. If we never look what else is in the mirror, if we never look at what God has done, then we're going to miss the most amazing part of the Bible. The fact that God forgives us. He enables us to be part of his family. Uh, Nehemiah and the people, are, they're celebrating harvests, even though they're still sinners. Uh, God provides for them. God provides for them. He doesn't just provide for our physical needs either, he provides for our spiritual needs. And they re- as they read in God's word, they would see time and time again... God forgiving his people, even though they turn away from him again and again. And what Ezra and Nehemiah didn't know in full was how God was going to enable that forgiveness to happen. And that happens through Jesus Christ. Jesus lived as a man, a God-man, both man and God. He lived a perfect life. And when he died on the cross, he died in our place to take away the dirt, the sin in our life. He took the punishment we deserve and in exchange, we get to have his perfect life on our records. So when God looks at us, he doesn't see the dirt on our face, the failure that we've messed up, not lived up to his standards because that has been wiped away. What he sees is the perfect life that Jesus lived in our place. You see, the people of Nehemiah have fallen into the trap that the same trap that we do today, thinking that our relationship with God, being part of his family, relies upon us being good enough, relies on us meeting God's standards all the time. Nehemiah knows, as we can know today, that that's not the case our relationship with god is built upon his generosity and that living for god now comes as a result as a response to his generosity not to determine our place in his family Maybe you're sitting here today and feeling uh, in despair as you, look at, as you looked at those uh, Ten Commandments, thinking how far you've uh, messed up. Well, hear what Nehemiah says. Don't mourn. Today is not about crying. It's about celebrating. It's about remembering what God has done for us through Jesus. Notice in verse 12, the people went away joyful. Why? Because they now understood That sin is terrible, but God's generosity is far, far greater. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've already accepted uh, God's generosity. You've already accepted his forgiveness. Well, what do you do now? Well, the answer is simple. Have a look at verse 15. Proclaim the word and spread it. If we are celebrating God's generosity already, well, let's share that generosity, let's share the word with other people so that other people can come to the mirror, can see and understand God, and can understand His generosity to them as well. And maybe you're sitting here today thinking, well, I want to know more about this generous God. Well, let me just say this, please don't go home without talking to either myself or Edwards or Hannah or the wardens, because we want to tell you about this generous God who can be uh, generous to you as he has been generous to us. So God's word is a mirror. It shows us that we do not meet God's standards, that we fail, we mess up, we end up with the dirt of sin all over us. But God doesn't leave us in despair. If we step back from the mirror, we look at what it shows us, we can see God pouring out his generosity and love on us through the death of Jesus. As we finish, let's pray. Father God, we thank you and we praise you for your uh, generous love, uh, for your love poured out upon us through Jesus. We thank you and praise you that uh, we can know you, have a relationship with you, not because we are good enough, not because we meet your standards, but we... Uh, but because you gave us a way out through Jesus. We thank you for that amazing uh, truth of the forgiveness we have in him. Help us, uh, we pray, as we go from here, uh, to take hold of that generosity, to go out joyfully remembering uh, you and what what you've done, and to spread the word, and to tell other people that they can come to the mirror of your word as well and learn about you, that generous, loving God.